you freaking auto? This, this is Brock and Salk. I don't read the internet, guys. Presented by Carter, Volkswagen, and Ballard. Take the bull by the hands. On Seattle Sports. Powered through the Alaska Airlines Studio. And Brooke Wire, you are. And Brooke, you are. Now here are your hosts, Brock Heward and Mike Salk. All right, so busy day today, as I mentioned. Jerry DePoto is going to be just a little late. He had some stuff going on at 8.30, so Jerry will join us at 9 o'clock this morning, and obviously a lot to talk about with him. Uh, GM Day, right? That's uh, Thursdays here on the station, and so John Schneider will be with Wyman and Bob. He's a little delayed today, too, because of the Coug game, so they will talk to him at 6. Excuse me. In the middle of all of that, Brock, mm-hmm. Geno Smith. I don't know whether Geno's ever been on the station. I mean, maybe in his backup days he was, but I don't think he's been on since becoming the starting quarterback. At least not that I remember doing a you know a full interview. He's going to sit down live with Bump and Stacy at eleven thirty this morning, and so get a sense as to why he's back, how he feels about the contract, how he feels about the future, etc. Uh, I saw Stacy yesterday already working hard on uh, some of her oh, questions yeah. for uh, for Geno. So that should be. Really Really good. That'll be at 11.30 later this morning. Right now, though, we'll go back to Peoria. Talk to Shannon Dreyer, as we've been doing every day at 8 o'clock. Hi, Shannon. How are we doing? We're doing okay. Skipper gave us a little break today, 9 o'clock or 9.30 meeting. Oh, a little, oh, uh, little oh. extra sleep. Night game, a little extra, mm-hmm. little extra rest. You need it after that two-and-a-half-hour night game. <laughs> oh, yeah, it was long. Two-and-a-half-hour, 2-2 two, two tie. How about that? Uh, and started by Logan Gilbert. We were there for his first start. It wasn't spectacular. And then kind of saw him afterwards because we were waiting for Cal Raleigh, and he came out, and he didn't look exactly wild about how that day had gone. I would imagine he was a lot happier after yesterday. He was. I think it was a lot of fun to watch, and I think he kind of enjoyed it, too. He was able to get into the work of things and was trying out a lot of different things, both with the pitches, with his timing, kind of taking a look at the pitch clock and feeling better about that. Uh, Did some different things with the splitter. And you can see it's very much still a pitch that's a work in process and progress, but he, you, you see the potential for that pitch. He was able to strike out Jason Hayward, who's trying to make the Dodgers after kind of a long battle and just threw one up there. And it wasn't quite the perfect one that he wanted, but it still had enough movement to get him, which was good to see. Also used the curveball a little bit differently last night. And he said he wanted to see if that was something he could use a little bit more, was able to throw it for a strike one. Also used it to get some strikes later in the count. So I think he felt good about everything that he had going on out there. You know, if we're going to continue this on the regular, I'm going to I'm going to do you a favor, Shannon. And every once in a while, when I got a tough question, send it ahead of time, right? So you have a little time to chew on it rather than just try to think, especially through the memory banks, because this one's going to take maybe a little recall through the memory banks, or maybe it won't. Maybe you'll know it right away. But Salk and I were just talking about Jared Kelnick, shocker, last hour, and putting some expectations on him and just talking about some of his little swing changes that, you know, any even the casual fan can see. Kind of using that back elbow like Julio does as a timing mechanism, right? A little bit looser with his hands, not quite so rigid. Can you think, or who is the Mariner that comes to your mind when you think little tweak of a swing change, little adjustment in an offseason, and bingo, bammo, what a difference it made that following year? Mm. I'd really have to think about that. And, you know, with Jared, what I'm looking at right now, 
I, I don't think there are huge changes in it. I think it's no. just a lot of simplification. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think they stripped it absolutely down and then kind of found that he needs to be somebody who is moving a little bit, who is kind of feeling a little bit more athletic in the box. And he kind of naturally added all of that back. So, yeah, I don't know how much of a change it really is. But, um, yeah, not off the top of my head something, you know, something so small. But what I think is interesting about what Jared has done is is they've taken what he has had and and, and kind of just made some small tweaks to it rather than here, add this or add that or try something that's completely different. Uh, I think he's much more comfortable with what he's doing, and I think it's a lot more natural you know, kind of taking the best parts of what he's done and putting them together. And, and by the way, I don't ask that saying, oh, see, it, it's not going to work. There's nobody you can. Well, Aaron Judge did, right? And, you know, my, my son's kind of a long lever big guy. And, and we were looking at, and I was reading about Aaron Judge, who spent an offseason really changing his hands and putting his hands much higher in his swing. I mean, these things are not, and he's an MVP of the league, right? So these things are not abnormal. It, it shouldn't be like a, a red flag or I don't ask that like, oh, you know, here he is again changing it. These are actually things that guys at the highest level do, right, to find their comfort zone and, as you said, sometimes to just simply simplify. Yeah, and then kind of when you get to camp, it's one thing to work the whole thing out in a lab or a gym or whatnot, but once you get into camp and you start facing live pitching to make those adjustments. And I don't think it's really – I think we're kind of consistent consensus – Jared Kelnick's problem has not been his swing. Because Jared Kelnick's biggest problem has been what's going on when he gets to the big leagues and his thought process and how he's able to handle situations. And I think perhaps the the better he feels about his swing, then perhaps that's going to help too. But you just want to get everything you can out of that power that you, you possibly can because it is so unique. I took some folks through around the batting cages a couple of days ago and yeah, one of them was somebody who spent a lot of time in batting cages before, but we were standing probably maybe eight feet away from Jared Kelnick taking full swings in the cages, thankfully behind a fence. <laughs> and it was, and I've been pretty close to his swings before, but when you see that up close, you feel it, you hear it, it is very, very different. And when it comes to his swing, you know, I think it is most important that you are able to, you know, maximize what he has got there. And I think that what he is doing right now is about as comfortable as I've seen him with anything. And again, the test is going to be when the lights come on. You know, you don't want him losing his head and you want him staying with it. But you've got to like what you see in it, that it is so much simpler, yet it is still him. There is still a little bit of movement. He is still, you know, not only does he have the arm, and he, he said that's a little bit more with Julio, it's a little bit more timing. With Jared, it's a little bit more just to feel himself in the box, as he said, just to kind of to, to, to be aware. does that with the back knee, too, just the tiniest thing. does still a little bit of a pump of the hands, too, when they are in the ready position. He's just got to, you know, there's got to be a little bit of a coil and a little bit of ready, but a little bit of looseness at the same time. And this looks like the swing that he's been the most comfortable with you know, for a long, long time. Hey, Shannon, should we know anything about this Alberto Rodriguez who had the big home run last night and I guess has had a pretty decent spring? Is he somebody we should have our eye on? (laughs) A-Rod. You know, he is a guy that has been known in the organization as having some power. And, you know, why not? He did uh, get the mention of the skipper last night in the postgame comments and, uh, you know, made a tremendous play 
in the field as well. So that's kind of one of those situations where when guys are away, you're going to have that opportunity to see them a little bit. And it's also funny because I was telling you, these games are probably going to change because they're going to get longer as the guys are away because the younger guys are going to want to play and try and win these ball games. That's exactly what we saw last night. This game was like on a record pace until the seventh inning. And then the young guys came in, but it was really fun to see, you know, just how on edge they were and how they were trying to get that that run back. And when the call was in question and, and there was there was no replay, but the umpires got together to discuss it, you know, the Mariners were all on the top deck, as were the fans who were left in the crowd, given the home run signal for Alberto had stopped at third. So kind of a fun moment. But, yeah, I mean, that's probably one of those ones that you keep a little bit of an eye on who has had that, that reputation for big power. Shannon, thank you. Glad you got a little extra sleep today, and uh, we will speak again tomorrow at 8 o'clock. You got it. All right, there you go. There's Shannon Dreyer, our Mariners insider, and uh, I love what she wrote yesterday. You can read it at seattlesports.com. Some interesting stuff on Kelnick uh, from Scott Service and sort of a help how the uh, how, how the shift is really helping him, not just physically but mentally. So uh, go check that out. You thought about that in your golf swing, by the way? A little what? bit of movement? A little, a little bit, bit of movement. A little bit of pre-wiggle. I haven't thought about that. Is that something you think I should try? I'm, I'm you not think talking I'm as like, athletic as Jared Kelnick? And I'm that not would talking like me? Randy Adamack movement, you know, right. who used to shuffle his feet until he's I mean, right, I don't need one. that. No, uh-uh. But just a little, yeah, just a little wiggle. I do a little waggling before. You do sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I yeah. get a little, I like to sort of twitch quite Feel a bit. Feel yourself on the team. Yeah, I like yeah. to really get all my, all the uh, energy <laughs> out and then, uh, you know. And goes, then uncoil. Like and then uncoil, yeah, like a, like a, like a, what uncoils? I don't know. My swing stinks, Brock. We don't need to talk about that. I, you know what? It keeps me it up does at night. Not, it does not stink. It's that is not, not fair. Until it I does take not, out the driver. And then it, it does just, not stink. Yeah. You just have a lot going on. Just a lot of thought You think presses. I just have too many thoughts? I have, um, well, think I, I got to simplify. I know you do. All right. Sounds good. Yes. You know what? I've had enough of you. Jerry DePoto will join I, us. I, I was nice. I said you've, you've got you, a great you swing. Me, no, I don't feel like you were being nice at I all. I am being nice. You know what? Let's get back to polls if we can. Maybe we can do a poll on this. Give me everything you need to know next. Brock and Salk, Sports on 710. Need to know. 15 minutes past every hour with Brock and Salk. Here's what you need to know. Up first. Well, it sounds like we've got a trade. What? Just reading Adam Schefter. What? It is the real Adam Schefter. It says, and the Jets just agreed to a trade. But it has okay. to do with the Ravens, not Aaron <laughs> Rodgers. Jets send 2024 seventh round pick to the Ravens in exchange for safety. Chuck Clark. It's not quite the Aaron Rodgers trade you were hoping for. Or the Lamar Jackson trade. No. So the Ravens and Jets both made trades. But it had nothing to do with that. Uh, pretty good. We just talked to Shannon yesterday and said that he was a lot better yesterday. Obviously went three scoreless innings, which was great after the first outing in which he just didn't look sharp at all. So that's great news. Uh, Mariners end up tying 2-2. Afterwards, Scott Service pretty happy with his pitching. Yeah, there's been some pitching that has caught my eye, as it always does every spring. You know, some of the young guys we've heard a lot about, and I get a chance to see them for the first time. Throwing the ball really well. Uh, I thought Bryce Miller's outing the other day was fantastic for mm-hmm. a young guy to continue to progress the way he is. A couple of the lefties I've been impressed with. You know, Gabe Spire comes into this camp through an outstanding couple innings he's had so far. Uh, Saucedo's had a couple really nice innings, you know, out of him. So there's a lot to get excited about on the pitching side. Hmm. You distracted, bro? Me? No. <laughs> Why? Oh, I'm sorry. 
I thought that was going to be a Logan. I thought it was going to be no, a Logan. No, it was just the pitching in general. Oh, he was I'm, happy with bad. the pitching. Okay. I'm sorry. I thought maybe that trade news kind of distracted me. I just asked him. No. So, all right. What, you care a lot about seventh-round picks from the Jets going for <laughs> random safeties? Is that no, like a no. big thing for you? Uh, actually, uh, no. Right. Actually, I We'll talk not. to Jerry DePoto coming up at <laughs> 9 o'clock. Here's the second thing you need to know. Strange story, and I guess developing situation last night. Sonics legend Sean Kemp arrested for allegedly participating in what's being called a drive-by shooting in Tacoma in the afternoon. Responding officers determined that some sort of altercation had occurred between two parties and vehicles. One of the drivers fired off several rounds. Uh, The other vehicles fled the area. We saw some video that sure makes it look as if one of the people is not in a vehicle and just standing there shooting. So Mm. this morning, David David Rose of uh, Fox 13 reporting that sources close to Kemp told him that he had had property stolen, tracked his iPhone to Tacoma, and then was shot at when he approached the vehicle to try to get his stuff back and that he shot back in self-defense. Be very interesting to sort all this out. Yeah, this is one of those things that kind of similar to Geno Smith earlier in the week in some ways. I, I'm not correlating the two, so just hear me out here. But you see the initial headline, and you're like, oh, my gosh. And you have you know an immense reaction, and then you've got to let the details of NFL contracts come out and sort themselves out. And I think in situations like this, mm-hmm. you know what makes the headline. He's a, he's a former NBA superstar. He's one of the greats, one of the titans here in town he's made home here in town has businesses in town and you hate to to rush to judgment when you see his name out there in that way but he was arrested i mean the the facts are the facts and now the rest of the story certainly has to come out here's the third thing you need to know well the cougs were advancing to the second round they'll play again today the husky hoops team failed to do well much of anything this year they captured no attention nobody talked about them and then they lost in round one of the pac-12 tournament to colorado so i don't know what happens next mike hopkins afterwards certainly was taking responsibility you know i take full responsibility uh, for this season i felt like we had a chance to to really make some some steps with a lot of new guys and I just couldn't get them to where we need them to be. It was a new team, um, had a lot of young talent uh, putting them together. I had a difficult deal, really disappointed for our fans, our alumni, our ex-players, the community of you know Seattle. Um, it's not our standard. It's a young team, bro. I know you love that. Uh, yeah, that makes me throw up. This is sixth year. And, I, and you know what some of the buzz, maybe you don't, but some of the people that hit me up, they don't even entertain you with this comment because you'll you will flush it right away. But that is, did they make a mistake with Romar? Should they have never let Romar go? No. They did not make a mistake with Romar. Yeah, that time had come. Right, that it chapter, was just time. It's not a shot at Lorenzo Romar. He was nope. great during his time, and then it was time to move on. It's that not chapter like he's become closed. a big-time coach somewhere else. No, he went down Arizona assisted and struggled at Pepperdine. So, no, I... I also, likewise, kind of spit that out as well. It was an amazing chapter, and he built That's the his, most Seattle thing I've ever heard, by the way. It is. Or the most Husky thing, too. Like, oh, this didn't work out. We, we should go back to somebody we already know. You know There's Mike no Hop- way anybody new could be good. You know, Mike Hopkins said it right there. There is a, a standard there, and that standard was built by Lorenzo. And that standard was keep the kids in state. There's enough talent in that state, and there's been a pipeline in that state that if you could keep all of those guys, if, you know, if Paulo was a Husky, what would that have done last season mm-hmm. in a run to, who knows, maybe a Final Four? But, yeah, whether it is through recruiting, whether it is through development, as he said, this year not bringing a young team together, 
It's been six years, man, and it's not going the right way for Coach Hop. No, it sure isn't. Kraken will get back to it tonight. Things are going great for them. They've won five straight, and they'll take on an Ottawa team that they've already beaten. Geno Smith will be on with Bump and Stacy today at 1130. John Schneider at 6 o'clock with Wyman and Bob. All right, there you go. That is everything you need to know. Whew, but if, but if you're Jan Cohen, it's complicated. If you're Jane Cohen, right now you're in the midst, and, and there's been a lot of rumblings and rumors, Salk, that maybe at some point we'll have breaking news today or tomorrow on more conference realignment. You know, the Big 12 is not is not sitting there resting. They want the four-corner schools by many, many people's accounts. Mm-hmm. That's not just one or two. That is a lot of the people connected to college football, Pete Dammel and others, that the Big 12 has said, oh, man, we're going to go after Arizona, Arizona State, Colorado, and Utah, right? Because I think there is a sense that the longer this lingers with no TV deal, with no foundation of George Kleofkopf building in media who, rights. Who would possibly want that job right now? If you move on from Mike Hopkins, okay, right. we're going to hire a new coach. What good coach is going to be like, oh, you know what sounds good to me? One of the remaining teams in the Pac-12. No TV deal, not a lot of fan interest right now. Why, why would anyone want that job? Well, everybody's going to point and say Washington, Oregon, Stanford, and Cal are going to go to the Big Ten then. If, if that kind of move There's no happens. evidence that that's happening. Yeah. So if it happens, okay, fine. All of a yes. sudden you get an opportunity. But right now, yep. who, who's who's Correct. jumping at that opportunity? So my guess is you wait because there's no reason to pay two coaches and, and no, see you what have happens. To wait, you have to wait till this media rights deal is up. It's about a $6.5 million buyout for Mike Hopkins right now. Yep. And you know those dollars and cents do matter. They do care. And so you've got to see where all of this noise, all of this smoke with realignment goes before I think you can well, consider that. Don't much. tell that to the uh, 206 who says fire hop and sulk. Whoa. It feels unnecessary at 821 yes. in the morning here on a on a nice Thursday. Well, what's yep. that all about? Yep. I mean, thanks for listening, but I don't know why you need to have everybody fired this morning. So our buddy Sean McKillop on Twitter, good buddy of ours, follows the show, listens to the show, put out a uh, put out a poll that I just liked and retweeted. He said, here, at Brock Heward, let me help you out. Does Mike have too many polls at Seattle Sports? Okay. Numbers are out. What do the numbers say? Whew. It's a dead heat. It's a dead heat? <laughs> well, it's 5149. Wow. Yeah. That's I mean, not what I see. I'm, I'm looking at it right now. Lo- how many votes? Uh, 80. Oh, okay. With seven, I only have 71 votes on mine, Hang so yours on. must let be me, ahead of let mine. Because yep. I have it at 5545 in favor of more polls. I'm at 80 votes. All right. So a few 49? votes must have come in the other way. I don't know what the deal is. Maybe because you're the only Heart- one who retweeted Ballot this. harvesting. Well, uh, clearly. I mean, let me let me, let me me send this out as well for people okay. that like my polls. Please, please do. I mean, right. what I see it as is 5545 in favor of more polls. Right. Who doesn't like a good poll? I like a poll. Who doesn't like a good poll? Uh, right. There we go. Coming up, uh, no Jerry DePoto at 8.30 as normal. Jerry's going to join us at 9 o'clock, so I'm going to go back, Brock, and ask you the most important question I started the day with. It's next. Maybe I'll take a poll. It's Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, SeattleSports.com. This, this is Brock and Salk. Powered through the Alaska Airline Studio. Back in mornings from 6 to 10. On Seattle Sports and the Seattle Sports app. All right, if you're tuning in to hear Jerry DePoto, just a quick FYI, uh, Jerry had some stuff going on this morning, so we have moved that 30 minutes. Jerry will join us at 9 o'clock this morning, and we'll have our normal conversation with him just a half hour later, so, so sorry instead, about that. we're going to do polls ranked. Yes, polls ranked. <laughs> Did that... you guys see this most recent text here? No, what does that say? For the love of God, fire both Brock and Salk. Oh my gosh. Well, Brock's eyes are way too far apart for True. good radio, and wow. Salk for ranked. 
give Maura her own show. Right. Ooh. Imagine it. Intelligent conversation, no <laughs> ranked, and both her eyes fit on the screen. Well, here's mm. what I'm going to say. Brock mm. is, wow. I mean, that sounds nice. <laughs> wow. Now, unfortunately, when you say both eyes fit on the screen, that's true, except the screen is like at neck to chin level because you're so tall <laughs> that nobody, I mean, so... You know, take it what you will. Anyway, put her hands up. See, see if the whole hands fit on the screen. No chance. Uh, Brock, I just want you to know, usually mm-hmm. you are the golden child. Mm-hmm. Usually you can do no wrong. Usually I am the bad guy and you are the good guy. Even if I've said the thing people like, they call up to agree with you. But with now 171 votes, yeah, nearly 60% of the populace says more polls. Yeah. Not yeah. too many polls. Nope. They want more. They love mm. my polls. Great. Great. And we are a people of, uh, we're sure of the people. And that's what we do. How do you feel about this right now? Eh, I'm okay. Do I you mean, feel so- like this is really kind of, you know, taking you by surprise you. and, no. and, and no. yeah, challenged all you view about the world? Uh, no, absolutely not. Your, no. your whole world, your whole, your whole world I mean, there's still crashing 40, around you. There's still 47% that are, like, tone it down, Salk. Like, enough. Enough of, of, enough of the polls. It's 60-40 that are pro-poll. <laughs> so take your poll envy. Figures don't lie. Liars figure. You could spin these numbers any way you want. But yeah. The, not, the, it's your. This was your I deal. Understand. I was content to leave it alone. I understand. You're the one who brought this up and yep. talk about your all-time backfires. Yep. It seems like it's really going the other way on you. So I, I don't know, man. I'm sorry. Uh, the Seahawks are going to draft at number five. At least they have the number five pick. Whether or not they choose to draft there or not, we'll see. Uh at first, you may remember, let's go back to our friend D-Mac from Denver, who was telling us, you're going to draft a quarterback there. And we were like, no, they're not, you idiot. You don't know what's going on in Seattle. No chance. They've got their guy, Geno Smith, yada, yada, yada. Well, mm-hmm. here we go. They've now signed Geno Smith to a long-term extension. And more than ever, we're starting to have real serious conversation about the Seahawks drafting a quarterback with the number five pick. It's kind of interesting that it's worked out that way. And so I did put out a poll this morning, Brock, because I was curious how much people really want that. Do you want a quarterback somewhere early in the draft like that? And excuse me, about 25%, about one in four say, yeah, I'd like the Seahawks to use the number five pick on a quarterback. Mm -hmm. Now that might be Anthony Richardson. It might be, Hendon Hooker, probably not Hooker, it might be um, it might be Bryce Young, Bryce Miller, even for you, Brock. I know yep. that you've wanted them to draft Bryce Miller for some reason to yep. play pitcher at the number yep. five pick. I don't Thank know. You. You. Uh, maybe it's CJ Stroud, but twenty five percent say the number five pick. Just a little bit more than that, twenty seven percent say second round pick. And to me, that's probably Hendon Hooker, mm-hmm. unless one of those other guys falls to the second round, right? I mean, who is there any other legitimate second round pick as a quarterback? I don't think so. Yeah, not not for me. Once you get to the Stetson Bennett's and the DTRs and some of those others, you're starting to trickle down to, yeah, I think to mid rounds, okay. even to late rounds for some. So there's really only five guys that you're looking at in the first two rounds, and four of them may very well be first round picks. So really, Hendon they will Hooker, be. None of those four are going to fall into the second. All round. All right. So really, it's Hendon Hooker who you're looking at potentially in the second round, and you do have two picks there, so that's a possibility. Twenty seven percent say yeah, Hendon Hooker. Um, five percent say trade up if there's somebody you really, really love who you think is the best, 
And then uh, 43-ish percent say, no, are you crazy? Forget a quarterback draft for defense players in the first two rounds. And I understand where they're coming from. It's interesting. That's the plurality win. Yep. But it's not the majority. The majority would still want you to take a quarterback at some point in the first two rounds. Yeah, how would you have voted in your own poll? I don't vote in my own polls. Oh, I mean, oh, just, oh, if, oh, you know, stop, you're not stop. supposed to, you know, you're not supposed to. <laughs> to bias, <laughs> bias the audience? Poll like oh, that. great, great. Thank you. Um, I am torn, oddly. I, I could honestly be okay with any of these four situations, yeah. which is weird, and it's not like me. But I could be okay with any of these four situations. Before I answer the question, let me play some sound. Because I will admit to being, uh, because I don't follow college football closely, certainly mm-hmm. not as closely as you, I am pretty easy to uh, influence, especially this time of year. Mm-hmm. I will listen to whoever I just heard talk about it and be excited about that. So when we heard about Hendon Hooker, I was all in. And then we heard about Anthony Richardson, and I was all in. And then I'll hear about mm-hmm. Will Anderson. I'll be all in. So I, you got you to gotta take some of what I'm saying right now yeah. with a grain of salt, because I'm like a lot of people. I'm just learning about a lot of these guys. We asked your friend Matt Stinchcomb yesterday, who from the SEC Network, seen these guys up close and personal, would you take Will Levis or Anthony Richardson at number five? And his answer was no. Right? I mean, he went on from there. Nope. Nope. I wouldn't take either one of those guys. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, that's not exactly a ringing endorsement. He did continue. I I will say that, you know, coming into the season, you hear about all these pro scouts and how high they were on these guys. And and even at one point when people were talking about Richardson being like a top five pick and uh, you know, the guys that cover the conference down here, guys that um, do games, and, you know, we've seen some football, played with some good quarterbacks, um, and we're going, seriously? Really? Because at some point in time, you know, the actual performance beyond the, the measurables and even the intangibles, you think, don't you eventually have to, to put out some, some good-looking film? More than just a couple of good throws a game, if that. So all of it, I hear that, and I'm going to get to his Hendon Hooker conversation here in a moment. But, Brock, I hear that, and what I hear then is two quarterbacks who stand above and beyond, Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud, two quarterbacks who are in the next tier of being traitsy but huge risks, that being Will Levis and Anthony Richardson, and then a fifth quarterback who's a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure I want to be in the middle ground there, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, like if he's right about those guys – and I know you've had some similar feelings about both of them. Are you sure you want to be, you know, banking the number five pick on a huge risk if that's the case and you truly want a great quarterback and you have two first-round picks, you're in a unique spot. Would you think about trading up mm-hmm. to get a guy that you truly believe in in either Bryce Young or C.J. Stroud? Yep. Yeah, I, th- I mean, these are when Pete kind of chuckled with us. Like, these are the ongoing debates and conversations right there in their war rooms and in their guy. and in their meeting rooms. And this is where you bring in your pro personnel. And this is where obviously your director of college scouting and all of your scouts, Mike, that have you know touch points throughout the entire season on these guys that are out there watching practice, that are watching every you know behind the scenes, digging into their lives and their stories and their histories, and then obviously the combine when you get to get a baseline number when you get to compare and contrast them. Amongst all their peers in those settings and then in the weeks ahead as you'll go to their pro days and I'm sure you will fly them out and they will come out and visit. I mean, this is just the ongoing hours and hours and, and hundreds to thousands of man hours that you spend to try to make these decisions. But I cut to something and, and you know, as you're speaking through that and I'm listening to that, I, you know, last year's draft class, they made a turn. 
Last year's draft class was like the one in 2012 and in 2013. Why? What was different about 2022 from its predecessors? Best available. It was best available, and it was largely production, right? Especially early. You know, yeah, you know, Woolen was not productive in college. He was barely a corner. And Pete Carroll said, if you put the tape on, it's not pretty. But he was a fifth rounder, right? So he took all those traits and everything else, and he took them in the fifth round, and boy, did he ever explode on the scene. But Ken Walker was the Doak Walker Award winner. He was the best running back in America. He was an All-American. He transformed a program. Abe Lucas was a four-time all-conference right tackle that played year after year after year. Charles Cross was an All-American, an all-conference. There's production and production, not at every pick. And you still take a little flyer on Boye Mafé, right? Right. Because those traits are extraordinary. And the best pick you made had no history or production whatsoever. Correct. Tariq Woolen. So, I mean, you can kind of go either way with it, but I understand your point. But he was a fifth rounder. Like you, you, right. you know, you you want to go and get guys that have have been there and done it a little bit, and that you know to me is where, like Matt, like Matt and Anthony Richardson and whew, Will Levis are like Jared Kelnick. Let me see when the lights are on. Yeah, I can sit around the batting cage and I can hear your bat, and it's different than everybody else, right? As Shannon Dreyer said about Jared, but I need to see it with the lights on. So that's that's sort of also a Moneyball philosophy, right? If you go back and actually read Moneyball, don't just hear about it or or watch the movie. One of the things that's in Michael Lewis's Moneyball is that exact thing. Actually look at people who've produced. Don't get too caught up in traits. Actually look at guys who've had production. Even if they don't look right to your eye, there is some value to finding people who like was, that. Who was that other? Oh, Kobe Bryant, Jim Thorpe Award winner. All conference, can, you know, all American. Yeah. And, you know, he didn't run as fast, but he had all of that background and all that production. So, so, so spin that back to the quarterback spot. Would you right. consider trading up for one of those two guys? Uh, Stroud concerns me, and, and this is this sucks for him, but it's just a reality, and it's a narrative that eventually an Ohio State quarterback has to bust and has to break, and that is that you're just surrounded by so much talent that that production is got an asterisk by it because it's pretty easy because you play 12 games, and and you can maybe say the same thing about Bryce Young, though the SEC, you know, he's he's had a few a few battles, and certainly C.J. Stroud has too uh, against a Michigan and in a playoff game against Georgia where he was unbelievable. Yeah, I mean, isn't he a seventy percent passer? Yes, and he is accurate, and he spins it. And there's a lot of honestly, there's a lot of Geno, a lot of Geno. I know G will be in tomorrow, and I think you double down on that and compare and contrast because you know G has watched C.J. Stroud for years, and and he's certainly watched his son a lot too through his son who played right. seven on seven in and around him also. Yeah, but I I know with, with again I I I don't put CJ. I, there's a lot to like, but I don't put him at that level. Bryce is the one to me, and I may be wrong on this, but my track record is is pretty decent over 13 years. There's a lot of misses, as as there always is, but I think my track record over 13 years of who I just feel great about, right? Like, yeah, okay. I feel great. So about it sounds that like guy. the only guy you feel great about is Bryce Young. Yes, and in order to get him, you probably need to trade up to the first or second pick. Correct. So are you willing to do that? And then you may not even be able to do that because Houston's going to say thanks, but no thanks. You're just, there's just not going to be a deal done, right? And Chicago and Indy is going to throw away more of them. So there's just not going to be a deal to be made for either of those guys. So then it you know, kind of puts you back in this situation at five where you got to do all you can, in my opinion, 
to make sure you leverage to everybody and let them know, man, well, we love these guys. It's not we, the only option, though, because you don't need – I mean, yes, you could do that and trade back, or you or you could do that and take and try a defensive to hope somebody player. somebody comes up ahead of you. Or, or maybe, you, maybe they like one of the guys who's going to be available at five more than you do, Brock, in which case yep. you could absolutely see them going with it. But the other option here that stands out – is waiting until the second round, or maybe it's at 20 if you feel like somebody else is going to try to move up to get him, and that's Hendon Hooker out of Tennessee. We asked uh, Stinch yesterday about him as well. That guy definitely has a better track record. He's got a more extensive career, uh, two different programs, although one was an ACC program, so I don't even know if that if they're even analogous one to the other. He does have uh, at least a, a winning uh, pedigree that extends beyond that, and they did lean heavily uh, on Hendon Hooker, especially after the snap. To me, the leadership capacity that he has, uh, and certainly uh, the the tangible elements of it, um, is a mobile quarterback, is not an every-down type runner, didn't rely on his legs but could use them, and demonstrated, especially in the early part of the season, a, a remarkable deep ball. Um, so to me, this is a guy that you could at least point to. Does he have as much upside? You know, maybe not. You know, he, he's not whatever Anthony Richardson is. What he's, Richardson's like a defensive end. He is. I mean, he's like Julius Peppers. <laughs> two inches like, yes. <laughs> I mean, he is. He, his, his athleticism is just, it, it's just different. Uh, Hendon Hooker, I'm, I'm looking here back at Geno Smith's combine, you know, mm-hmm. when, when he came out. Remember that Geno was you know, pretty heralded, and many people thought that he would be a first-rounder out of West Virginia and then had to spend the entire day and night in that green room and actually come back the next day and and geno smith at the combine was 6'2 218 Hendon hooker was 6'3 215 they throw a similar beautiful deep ball and and you know when you you hear this term spin it right you can these guys can just spin the football it's a it's a little bit like a pitcher that can command multiple pitches right that can it can take a little bit off of it and and certainly create a spin rate which is measured I'm surprised in the NFL we're not there yet. I'm surprised in the NFL. Maybe in 10 years we will be Salk with a little more velo, right? Or at these combines where they actually, you know, can show the velo and show the spin rate and show these guys that can just throw a very pretty ball. And Hendon Hooker does. And, you know, is so intriguing because because had he not torn his ACL, <laughs> he – I think he's in this conversation. Hmm. I mean, I, I don't think it is for, oh, and then that guy that, you know, missed the end of the season. And, and, and here's what I love about him. And like John Schneider, probably learned this, probably have been impacted by John saying this over the years of, of, of a guy that changes the temperature of the room. I say, who is the guy that elevates everyone around him? Who's the one that walks into the, the, the huddle, walks onto the field, walks, on, walks onto the practice, and just all of a sudden, everything is elevated and because is of that? him. Hooker did that in Tennessee. Tennessee was a mess. True. A, an abysmal mess. And Josh Heupel's pretty good in his systems. You know, it, it is good. And he spaces it well. And there are lots of shots and lots of opportunities. But that dude came in there and just picked it up and took a total mess and made him relevant. And until he tore his ACL, he was not only a Heisman contender, they were a, a you know a playoff contender. Mm. So yeah, I like that. I really like that. And and I've got to get to I've got to get to know that story a little bit more. Well, I I've got to, to find him out. Okay, I need to ask you about somebody else before we get there because I, I the, there is one name that essentially has been missing from this entire conversation, and that's Will Levis. 
His name has essentially been missing. Mm-hmm. Go back to the poll I had last night. By far, the lowest number of respondents was take Will Levis. Richardson got 45% in the first round. That was the runaway winner. Hendon Hooker in the second round, who you just discussed, Brock. Okay, a third of people said they'd like that. And that's probably where I'm leaning right now as well. But talk to me about Will Levis. When was that poll, by the way? Last night. I know, I'm I'm on fire. What can I tell you? Tell me a little bit more. (laughs) Did, Did Levis not run at the Combine? Hmm. Because I don't see a 40 time for him. I do know that he threw the ball harder than anybody at the Combine. He threw it 59 miles an hour. For Mm. context, Patrick Mahomes was 55, Justin Herbert 55, Lamar Jackson 49. The only people who have ever done it since 2016 anyway who have thrown it harder were Josh Allen and Baker Mayfield. So he clearly has a rocket cannon for an arm. He's a big dude. Nobody's doubting the size, right? Big guy, cannon for an arm. He, he measured did not run the 40th. Okay, because is that because he had the he's ankle? been measured around the four seven range? Okay, six four two twenty nine, thirty four inch vertical. Huge hands. Ten point uh, ten uh, ten foot four inch broad jump. Hand size ten and five eighths. Yeah. Or almost half of one of Moore's fingers. Thirty-two inch arm length, so physical, big dude throws the ball hard, right? So what's what's um, what do we think? Yeah, I think forty-eight touchdowns and twenty-five picks in college, even thirteen in a year. If Mel Kiper wants Kentucky, though, if Mel has anyone ever had success at Kentucky? If Mel Kiper wants to disregard this last season because he was injured, nineteen touchdowns, ten picks, while the year before was a worse, twenty-four touchdowns and thirteen interceptions there. But you're at Kentucky with no talent around you playing against the SEC. That's true. Is that even a real thing? I mean, like, how successful can you be there? Well, that sounds, let me, gosh, that sounds a lot of what I heard about Blaine Gabbard at Missouri. I know. It's true. I mean, right in there. And he's a Blaine. And about Tim Couch at Kentucky before him. He, he, there's a, he feels like a Blaine Gabbard, Jake Locker to me, man. You Now his, his mechanics are sharper than Jake's. And I think Jake would even admit to that. I mean, he is, I was talking to, to, to my nephew about this the other night as, as they watched combine and evaluate all these guys and there's so many mike like hitting coaches and pitching coaches now all over baseball there are so many of these qb gurus right and and places you can go and jordan palmer and george whitfield and and tom house and all these guys and and when you want to talk about the efficiency of mechanics will levis is off the charts mm-hmm. and in and the ball comes out screaming and if and if John Schneider was impressed with Ryan Tannehill years ago and impressed with uh, Josh Allen and the way they could spin a football, yeah, I mean, those numbers are real. 59 miles an hour for a football is yeah. like 98 hey, and, for a and, baseball. And let me uh, let me cr- uh, change that as well, though, because the article I clicked on here sort of has some conflicting information. And oh, I think great. that was at the time he was the fastest and then was passed by two others. Anthony Richardson actually threw at 60. And DTR, your guy Brock, they're at sixty-two miles an hour. Yeah, he can. He can. He's a little. So I mean, in, in all of this conversation, and he's one I told you like a month, month and a half ago. DTR is also another intriguing one, and I've had some NFL people reach out to me because they know that I've covered some of his games mm-hmm. the last four years, and say, "What well, you know? What do you think?" And I think he's a, a deep dive. I think he's incredibly intriguing as well. Volatile, up and down. You know, likewise, what did he do to UCLA? What Hendon Hooker did at Tennessee? What did he do? He made him relevant. He made him relevant. 
in, in his last couple of years here, and this last year in particular, and Charb, Charbonnet and others helped, but he turned a mess of a program with Chip there when they you know took it over and inherited in the first couple of years into a, a ranked team, into a relevant team, and yeah, and and these all of these things throw them all in the pot, man, and you just keep stirring them around over and over and over and sift through right. them. And so the nice today, thing, though, but the nice thing is a three-year, seventy-five million-dollar commitment to Gino does not preclude you from any that's of right. these guys. They're in they're in great shape to develop any of these guys, and maybe that's what makes the projects a little bit more interesting. Guys like Richardson and Levis, because you do have some time to develop them, and you do have another first-round pick, so it's not like you don't get a first-round pick that year. So, you know, you might be able to afford to take that kind of a risk on, on somebody who might not work out. As of today, and, and with every opportunity to change your mind mm-hmm. between now and April 26th, who and where would you like to see the Seahawks draft a quarterback this year? Yeah, I would say today, to, today, today, and because I voted in one of your fifteen polls, today. they all they, they all kind of run and blur into each other. I'm kind of forgetting which day it was, which week it was. I'm talking today, <laughs> today, today, because I voted this way yesterday. I take Hooker in the second okay. round, and I take and I'm like uh, Kevin Costner in draft day. I've got a little every day I remind myself or like Rocky Balboa mm-hmm. when he's training in Siberia. Every day I remind myself. I got a note on my mirror and my brushing my teeth. And that is big people matter, John. Could front seven you, matters. Brock, front seven, front you, seven, front if, seven. If let's say you get one of those big fellas up front at number five, but you get nervous. Every the other four quarterbacks are gone. Could you be convinced to take Hooker at twenty? You told me that the difference between 12 and 60 is not that big in this no, year's draft. Not. If no, that's the not. case, do yeah. you go with Hendon Hooker, the number 20 pick? <laughs> Brock Heward, what say you? That's a little rich for my right, blood I'm going right to let now. you think for a moment. And trade I'm going to go Justin Amora. Trade down As to 28. of today, which of those scenarios, at which quarterback is most interesting to you today with every ability to change your mind between now and April 26th? Well, as we like to say on here, it's it's not my money. It's not my draft picks. I say go big or go home. Take Anthony Richardson and uh, think that you can develop like all that raw talent. At number five or trading up for developing. him? Yeah, at five. At number five. So you wow. don't trade up. You take Anthony Richardson at five <laughs> wow. and you trust your ability <laughs> to make him into the player you want him to be. More like is this Seinfeld bit going to continue? Because I, I kind of like know. it. I kind of digging it. <laughs> I don't know. You are? This was actually a little bit more John McLaughlin, too. Justin Barnes. Yes. The question to you. We repeat the question. No. No. We don't have enough time. Who do you want today? At number five. You're going number five. Yeah. That's where you want your quarterback. Yeah. Who's it going to be? I'm going to go Anthony Richardson. Wow. The production room, Brock, on the same page. Too too much potential there. I'm trading five, 20, and something else. Give me Bryce Young, the number one overall pick. See you later. I'm winning a championship in two years, and you guys are going home. (laughs) Jerry DePoto joins us next. Brock and Salk, Seattle Sports on 710, seattlesports.com.